0: Well, we told you it was going to be a busy weekend in Happy Valley, and it sure was as Penn State football picked up four commitments in a 30-hour span, lost a commitment along the way, and then extended an offer that led to another commitment on Tuesday. That's when we're recording. It's Tuesday afternoon. We're going to do our best to break down in detail what exactly just went down for the Nittany Lions football program on the recruiting trail. Needless to say, we've got some catching up to do, and we'll get right
1: to it with Sean Fitz. You could have spent your summer going to Hershey Park, Kennywood, maybe even Cedar Point, but you've decided to ride the roller coaster that is Penn State football recruiting. Thanks for joining us. It's been a crazy few days. I was just talking to Tyler before the show. Friday afternoon just feels like forever ago. Uh, it's a couple states away from me. We're back in State College recording, but uh, man, it's uh, it's been a crazy couple of days. We got kicked off with a couple of commits Friday, Saturday, there was a camp and there's visitors and there's... New offers and a couple more commits and a decommit. Sunday, Monday, nothing really happened. And then Tuesday, we come back with a commit. So good times, good times all around. So Tyler, uh, thanks for the patience. Uh, thanks for the supplemental uh, commitment stories and everything like that. But yeah, it's been a, it's been an exhausting couple of days if you're following Penn State recruiting. Yeah,
0: dead period uh, hits just in time. If 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 we seem a little wiped out, I'm sure the coaching staff at Penn State and, and across college football, uh, you know, ready to, ready for a little bit of chill time. There's never really quite that in college football, but um, you know that's the importance here, Sean. We talked about it heading into the weekend. Uh, that official visit window closes. It doesn't open back up again until the season. Um, so this is a juncture. You know. Like Like we said, kids are going to want to make decisions, cut down lists, go see campuses. And Penn State, you know, they were up near the 10-player mark in terms of just official visitors. Uh, And we'll start with one of those, Sean, uh, who who made his commitment Friday evening, Jaden Dotton. Um, He was the second commitment overall. I'm going a little bit out of the chronological order here. Uh, But among those official visitors, he's a guy that... that Long term have we been looking at closely as a commitment possibility dating back to last summer. It took a little bit longer, a lot longer than maybe we expected, but Jaden Dotton, four star wide receiver out of Suffield Academy in Connecticut, uh, is the second receiver in this class, the second receiver commitment in this group of the month joining Norvell Black, the rising sophomore at Lackawanna College. and um, you know, a, a really strong addition and, and one that we've had our sights on for what feels like a very long time.
1: Yeah, it's been forever since we've been talking about uh, Jaden Dotton possibly being the first member of this class back in, I think, July last year when he was at the Lash Bash and came to camp and things like that. But, man, it's uh, it, it's one of those ones where you kind of breathe a sigh of relief because there have been those ones – for Penn State, this cycle where you felt they've led for the longest time, and then all of a sudden they trail off in the end—that wasn't the case with Dotton. Dotton took his only official visit to Penn State, one of those ones that, that Penn State stayed on for a long time. Dotton really went quiet the last couple of months, and you know maybe that's a good thing for Penn State. And he he popped up this weekend, and you now as a prospect, a good good-looking receiver out of the Northeast, we have him as a four-star on 24/7 Sports and the 24/7 Sports composite. I uh, would like to see some updated uh, uh, speed times on him because he's never been a real burner or anything like that but a good polished receiver has to add some weight uh, bulk up a little bit uh, but no it's a good pickup for Penn State especially where they're at right now receiver is so interesting to me right now because you've got Norval Black and you kind of put him off in a side pile right now because he's a junior college kid he'll have three to play two but then you had uh, Jaden Dotton. You had Parker Washington visit last weekend. Got an official visit from Josh Downs, the North Carolina commit, who we mentioned on the podcast last week, if you picked up that code. Um, he was on campus this weekend. There's still a lot of names out there that are going to visit over the next uh, couple of months after the dead period. And and we'll see where it goes from there because, it's a it is, as we mentioned before, it's not a number that you can pin down with receiver right now. You've got question marks of the guys on the roster. You've had uh, you know Cam Sullivan-Brown was in the portal. Mac Hippenhammer played baseball. So you're going to have – You know, it's going to be... Uh, very fluid with numbers over the next year or two. So uh, you stock up, you see who you can get. You've got uh, some really good prospects out there. Of course, you don't have the great prospect in, in in Julian Fleming, but you've got really good guys out there. You still mentioned Keandre Lambert. You've got guys from Florida. Uh, Bryce Gowdy is one of those guys that's going to be up for a visit. So you've got a lot of guys out there that are, are that are still on the market, that are still Penn State is, is in a good spot with. And, you know, getting Dotton on board is, is just a step closer to where they need to be
0: yeah and, and you mentioned the fact that black is going to come in with you know limited eligibility compared to a high school kid coming in and, and one of your three additions at the position this offseason uh and and car is going to be gone after this year he's a one-and-done situation as a grad guy so I, I do expect this receivers class to grow uh, I, I think taking care of business with Jaden dotten now is a great thing uh for penn state because it seems like it this has been i don't want to say imminent but it's been working its way towards this conclusion the hiring of jared parker was big because he was you know we You've heard about this a lot, Sean, a common theme. Parker recruited uh, Dodden on behalf of Duke. So there was you know, not really a need to hit the reset button in the relationship with Penn State. It was actually just kind of uh, you know, taking a different route to get to this point. So um, you know, you mentioned some of the names. The door's always going to be open, I would imagine, for, for a guy like Fleming and, and of course, Lambert. I, I think both those guys are, are special talents. I know you put in the crystal ball pick last week for Parker Washington. If you remember that, I know you've made about 10 more crystal ball picks since then. But a lot of names hanging out there. And uh, another one, at uh, you know, taking the Lackawanna route. Uh, and It's been a common theme for Penn State. Second straight year where they're going to have multiple signees, it looks like, out of Lackawanna College. Um, another one, Jair Brown out of Trenton, New Jersey. Um, a, a player who earned his offer on camp this month. Got back with mom on Friday and, and went home as a Nittany Lion. You were all over this one. And uh, again, we talked about it before a kid who really stepped up, showed what he was all about at that camp, and he really did earn it. And, um, you know, good on him to make sure that, that he did a little more research, brought some family into play before making that final call because I think you and I both felt he he may have left that camp as a commit, but he held off just a bit.
1: Yeah, one of those ones that we were tracking last week uh, as he was on campus, he, he brought his mom to campus, and usually that's a pretty good sign, especially when you're coming from Trenton your junior college kid I think he he had one other offer from Kent State so you know pretty much a no-brainer that he was coming to Penn State it was just a matter of where does he fit in and I think You know, looking long term, I think we differ from our view from it from Joseph Johnson's father. If you saw his Twitter rant uh, on Friday night after Brown committed, Um, but we see him as a safety. He's a guy that can play, you know, that star position, possibly, you know, play a little nickel corner. I don't know that he's a pure cover corner or anything like that. So I don't think it impacts anything at that position. But he's a safety. He can he can bring the wood. There's, There's some people up at Lackawanna pretty excited about what he can do. Don't quite he's don't quite think he's brisker. He doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the size and um, really, uh, you know, brisker, there's not too many briskers out there. Um, but no, he's, he's a really good prospect for Penn State. Uh, I think he can come in and, and play right away. I think he can come in and try and, you know, uh, fill out some depth charts and, and do some things like that. And for, for a class where you have numbers like this, you keep the Lackawanna train rolling. You saw him in camp. I mean, that's the biggest thing to take away from this. He's, he's only got two offers, but you saw him in camp. You saw what he could do. You tested him. You put him through everything. And, you know, they, they felt good enough about him after seeing him in camp one time to offer him a scholarship. I think that's Says a lot about where they feel that they can, uh, you know, benefit from having him on campus. So Brown is a guy who's probably not going to move the needle with a lot of people out there, but uh, is a solid pickup for Penn State. I think we at twenty four seven Sports took a look at him, uh, mid to th- mid to high three star uh, guy that can make an impact all over the field and do some some things and be versatile for you back in the defensive backfield.
0: 40 tackles, five interceptions last year as a freshman. Um, and, again, now you're looking at the Lackawanna thing. I don't know if you mentioned him. Br- Bradley King, the punter, uh, you know, a walk-on out of Lackawanna, too. So. We don't want to slight the punters. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. strong presence. Um, And then, you know, moving ahead, you know, Saturday rolls around. Obviously, it's it's a it's a nice start for your recruiting class. And, and Saturday brings upon another commitment. This one, another recent offer, a kid who got offered at a Penn State camp this month. Fatorma Malba uh, and, and Sean Crystal Balls were in for this one um, and he came through with a commitment on Saturday
1: yeah he's a big kid we talked about him last week on the podcast a big kid 6'3 270 kind of tested off the charts for Penn State uh, at the first uh, at the first elite camp so he came back to work with Sean Spencer pretty much another case where the writing was on the wall coming into the weekend you knew Mulba was going to end up at Penn State you were just kind of curious when that was going to happen so uh, he, he got a chance to uh, work out with Sean Spencer. He got a chance to, you know, I guess match up with some of the the higher level talent. The elite camps are, are solid, but you never know what you're going to get for offensive linemen. There were only six offensive linemen on hand at the uh, whiteout camp over the weekend, but still a pretty good group. Nick Dawkins was in that group a couple of 2021s 20, so were, that were pretty good players in that group as well. Mulba held his own looked pretty good in there. You can see the athlete. You can see the raw aspect of it. Thought it was cool. Brian Doan wrote about his background after he committed, uh, came from Liberia a couple of years ago, does not have an extensive football background. He's he's, uh, gotten into a little bit of wrestling. So you like the base that's there. If you're going to take a chance on a raw kid, Take a chance on a kid that tests like this. Take a chance on a kid that hasn't been playing football raw uh, very long. And they've had some success with guys like that.
0: Second team all, all mid-pen All Mid selection last year. Uh, as a junior, I think you know, expectations are certainly going to increase. And, man, you talk about a recruitment that blew up. This is a kid who had zero FBS offers as February was coming to a close. Uh, and, and now he was approaching double digits. We know he, he took that trip to Ohio State, um, came home, and, and and ultimately ends up in Happy Valley pretty quickly, and I think that's kind of how we saw this one uh, ending up as a, as a point of reference here as well. I mentioned this when he got the offer a couple of weeks ago on the show, but uh, Jordan Hill, former Penn State defensive lineman, has been a, a part of his development progress, so uh, good to have someone in his corner who is already familiar uh, with life. what life could be like on this college campus. Uh, So, Sean, everything's going great, right? Three straight commitments, the class is growing, things are looking good. And then Sean Fitz of Lions 24-7 Sports ends up putting out this report that Derek Wingo uh, is stepping out of a commitment that he made last Christmas Day and venturing elsewhere perhaps, and and within an hour or so, it was a done deal. He had put the word out the Florida Gators are now uh, his team of the future Penn State uh, it sounded like it was a uh, Something that he didn't enjoy certainly doing Decommitting from Penn State uh, But it was something that That, um, that happened and, and, and ultimately I think with with Derek Wingo um, If this was going to happen and it was Inevitable that he was going to end up decommitting It's better to rip the bandaid off Than to have this lingering and, and, and Really button you in the butt when you get a little bit closer to Early signing period
1: yeah, I agree with that last part, no doubt. Uh, this is South Florida recruiting. This is something that we warned you people about uh, for for a while now. Since Penn State's been trying to get in there, this is one thing where you never know where those guys are going to end up. You, yeah, I mean, it's great to be a, uh, or to have a commitment from a guy down there, but you know, the closer you get to signing day, things are going to get crazy. We talked about this with Wingo when he committed. Was you know he, he said he was all in, but that's a that's a long distance relationship. Uh, that's one of those things where you you really. There's not much more that you could have done to keep him committed. He just didn't feel it and decided to go with Florida. I think Tyler's right here. It's good that it happened now. Gave Penn State time to sort of recover, react. They did that. They offered Tyler Elsden after camp and I think that probably had something to do with the other thing that was going on. So, I mean, it's it, it's you know, it's not nobody likes decommitments. Nobody likes losing a guy, but in terms of whether or not you could see this one coming, Wingo, if you if you listed the potential decommits, I think I think Wingo was going to be at the top just cuz he's a Florida kid.
0: He's never shied away from from expressing his his desire to explore other college campuses. Um, He's had Miami coming after him. Obviously, the Florida Gators and and the proximity there is a lot different than the proximity to get up to Penn State. and That's always going to be the challenge. Uh, You know, they got John Dunmore last year in July, and I think a lot of people were viewing John Dunmore in the same light and, and wondering if that would stick. And Miami Hurricanes really pushed and gave him plenty to think about. He signed, and that was a big win. And we're talking about a much longer timeline for Derek Wingo. He was the first defensive prospect committed to Penn State. And you're talking about an entire calendar year, essentially. That you need to keep him locked in Always going to be a tall task Doesn't come to fruition for them Uh, I don't think this necessarily is an indication That things are all of a sudden slipping in Florida Far from that based on what we saw on campus uh, This past weekend with some of the official visitors Uh, But but no doubt a big loss Him and, and Jacobs Looked like a nice tandem They're going to be at the opening together This upcoming week on the same uh, 7-on-7 squad So, you know, I wrote about it last week You're getting a a future glimpse of of that, you know The next phase of LBU But not going to happen And and we'll get into a moment There's, There's a new face at linebacker But as the roller coaster ride continued on Saturday, Sean uh, went back up all, all of a sudden. You know, everyone's uh, reacting to the Wingo situation, and then Penn State gets, in my opinion, a huge defensive line commitment uh, from Koziah Izzard out of Damatha Catholic in Maryland. Uh, a guy who's picked up offers from schools like Alabama and Ohio State in 2019. He's been on Penn State's target board since last summer. Uh, and he pulled the trigger during his official visit this weekend. We've talked about it, really showed a lot in the spring camp circuit. I think if that can carry over into his senior year, we're talking about a really impressive, versatile defensive line prospect. And as we said, the focus has been on the perimeter for him for the most part as a prep player, but definitely see him following that line of guys like judge Culpepper, Damian Barber, who have slid inside with Sean Spencer and worked, worked in, in that defensive
1: tackle position. What's interesting is it, it, seems like Izzard was kind of a bullet in the chamber for Penn state. After this bad news drops from Wingo, all of a sudden you get good news from Izzard. I don't think that's a coincidence because we expected to hear, I think Friday was his decision date. Uh, so Izzard moved it up while he was on campus. So that certainly is one way to look at it. Um, Izzard, is a guy that was ranked very highly at the start, and this is this is something that we've talked about over the last, I'd say, year or so. He was ranked very highly, came from Pilates, uh d- transferred to DeMatha, uh, was probably a defensive end com- uh, prospect, got a little bit bigger. I mean, he's a big, big kid. He's about 270. I'm on a 6'2", 6'2 frame. To me, he's an interior guy all the way. I know he doesn't want to hear that, and we've talked about that before, but it's one of those situations where you take a guy that that has pretty good athleticism on the edge, you move him inside and all of a sudden it's above average athleticism and it's a good athleticism. So they're going with that. They've they've got Col Brevard on, they've got Fatorba Malba cuz I is are a little bit different style of a defensive tackle, but you're building up those lines, you're throwing numbers at those lines and something I really like is you're throwing numbers at the lines up front. Uh not really how you drew it up cuz you wanted, you know, Brian Bressy, you wanted some other guys up uh, up front, but you throw numbers at it. You've got three quality defensive tackles. Uh, two of them are four stars by 24/7, uh, the 24-7 composite. So you've got some talent in there. You've got some rawness. You, you've got the ability to work. And you've still got prospects on the board. So I like what they did there. And, you know, the roller coaster ride comes up a little bit because I is our commits. Uh, Mulba commits, uh, Wingo sandwiched in between them. So it was quite a ride on Saturday. And we didn't even talk about the camp yet.
0: We didn't even get to the camp yet. Uh, and, and we didn't even get to the official visitors yet. And so, yeah, there,
1: that's right. We've got mystery <laughs> official visitors. Always fun this time of year. Saturday morning, uh, these guys we've been watching, as we, we mentioned, Josh Downs on the uh, podcast last week. And surprised nobody called us on that. But uh, he he popped up for an official visit for Dill Diggs, the uh, Texas A&M defensive end commit, who, by the way, Huge, just absolutely huge. Now, granted, he was walking around with Downs and Diamante Trianum and some of the smaller guys, but just a big, big kid who uh, you know r- looks really good. But uh, yeah, a couple of mystery visitors ran the total to double digits. Really good weekend overall. You mentioned Doton committed, uh, Izard committed. You've got uh, Enzo Jennings going to announce on Thursday. Brandon Taylor going to announce on Friday. So I don't think this wave is done. But still, I mean, it's uh, it was, I think it was a productive weekend for Penn State, and I guess we can get back to the camp now.
0: One more thing. I mean, you mentioned digs. We mentioned downs. We talked about uh, uh, Frazier's coming up, uh, the Florida Gators commit. So you had three players committed to other programs on campus this week, taking a look at Penn State. Again, the juxtaposition of, of how to handle stuff on the recruiting trail. Um, and whether you want your commits visiting other schools, you know, Penn State certainly invested in, in that process uh, with, with getting and, and guys I guys you guys. Campus. I hope
1: you guys listened to Brian Doan last week. We talked about it, and, and I know sometimes when we have guests, people just shut shut it off and go with it. But I hope you listened to Brian last week because he mentioned this. I think he made some really good points, and I agree with what he said. So if you get a chance, go back to last week and, and take a listen to that.
0: So a lot of official visitors. By the way, we have up on lines 24-7. A uh, uh, pretty detailed look at, at recapping the weekend Sean, Sean phrased it as a lot of words I typed those words so it's up on the site if you want to get a little more we have all the links to the articles to each of these commitment stories we're kind of just generally skimming through this but we know not everybody listens to the po- podcast many of you but not everybody it, it has their finger on the pulse of this 24 hours a day and is on the message boards per se and many of you don't subscribe it's dangerous anyways, it's so.
1: dangerous to have your finger <laughs> on the pulse of this 24 hours a day Ooh. man it's uh, it's exhausting but <laughs> back uh, yeah you, you did a great job on that long uh, on the the long recap I guess you could call it that roller coaster is is crazy but camp is kind of a time when everything kind of stands still you actually can't recruit during camp that's that's one of the the funny things to that people don't realize is you're working with these kids but you're not quote I'm doing air quotes right now you're not recruiting these guys so until the camp is over that's when the recruiting starts or um, or something like that so you're just working with these guys so everything kind of stands still and and at this point you, you saw a really good linebacker group and that's really what stood out to me headlined by curtis jacobs the penn state commit this kid's really good i i'm i mean been high on him for a long long time and he stepped out on that field and everybody knew out on that field that he was he was the alpha
0: he was the best player i saw out there on, on saturday and and he's up there with just about anybody we saw i think in june and and you know, for me, it's my second time seeing him in person this year. I know you actually have seen him twice as well. You saw him at the Washington D.C. opening regional, where he was named the most valuable player among linebackers. I saw him down at the Baltimore Under Armour camp, and you know always curious with him as he's a guy who's really sinking his teeth into linebacker position. Is it going to look like he's out there thinking a lot? You know, or is it going to look natural and fluid? And you know there is no lost movement with Curtis Jacobs. I thought he was tremendous in pass coverage. You know, typically what I was watching out there during the pass drills and you know it wasn't really the quarterback or receivers. It was Curtis Jacobs more so than anybody because you know, he glides out there. He he was covering some big time, you know, big tight ends, six foot four, six foot five frames, and then he was also working against some shiftier guys out of the slot occasionally. And you know, he came up with an interception at, at one point. And, and I just I thought in general through the drills through everything he put together a hell of a day. Uh, and that's always something I'm curious to see Because when you're a player committed to a program Much less the top rated player committed to that program You can essentially show up to campus and lollygag He didn't do that He, he put on his best show with Brent Pry watching And also you got this on film For, for uh, the highlight tape we have up online 24-7 about, about Jacobs He was like the uh, you know He was the man that everyone was watching But especially so for Micah Parsons Jesse Lucchetta And you can see how fired they were uh, fired up they were after some of those big plays he made, some of the drill work he did. Those guys are excited. I think they can recognize a, a standout player when they see one. They were two of them in high school coming out. And, uh, you know, a lot of love between those three, and I'm sure Brent Pry was happy to see that.
1: And he's 6'2 a half, two thirty, 230, so he fits in with those guys. He fits in, you know, with the frames of Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon. So Penn State's linebacker crew uh, just c- continues to get bigger, continues to get more athletic. What I like about Curtis Jacobs is a year ago this time, he's convinced he's a wide receiver or a safety. And I'm just, I'm sitting back here. I'm like, okay, dude, whatever you say. And he's a linebacker all the way. He's just a, a, a fantastic fluid athlete. And, and again, he's the best player. Every time he steps on the field where, you know, basically wherever he plays, he's the best player out there. And I think that's something that, that we really don't focus on enough when we're talking about evaluating prospects is, is, can you be, step up and be that guy? You know, Micah was that guy and a couple other guys were that guy. So uh, really excited about what Curtis Jacobs can do. Part of a really good linebacker crew. Uh, the, when they lined up, they went seven on seven, which is something they do with a whiteout camp. They don't really do for the the, the general elite camps. But you had Curtis Jacobs on the outside. You had Tyler Elsden, who earned an offer, and now is a Penn State commit on the inside. And Damian Robinson, a 2021 four-star kid out of Quince Orchard High School in Maryland. Boy, that kid's really good, too. I mean, he's He's got length. He's about 6'3 you know, and a half probably about 220. Is he a defensive end long-term maybe? Uh, But you saw him out there moving around and he moved every bit as well as Jacobs guy. He ran very well, just supremely impressed with that kid.
0: Yeah. Robinson, he's another guy I caught at that, that camp down in Baltimore and he was a standout there as well. And uh, a a kid who, like you said, he's, kind of remind yourself he's 2021 because physically he he looks like he's creeping up towards edge rusher status and you know I'm sure he's hearing different selling points from different coaching staffs across power 5 football cuz he's got a who's who's list of offers already uh, he looked the part here at Penn State uh you know he's the guy who who really every time I've seen him dr- in drills you know he kind of just goes about his business doesn't really crack a smile during his but he he you know he's where he needs to be Physically, athletically really impressive I'm curious, uh, you know, when we were able to catch up with, with Robinson, you know, where things stand With Penn State, because he's got so many options At a young age, uh, but you know, Maryland As we well know, that's within striking Distance, this isn't a situation where you're getting A kid on campus, uh, a thousand miles Away, and you just keep your fingers crossed that he'll come Back, so, um, you know, I, I'm with You, it was, it was a good group of linebackers, those two are at the top, and, and we might as well get right into Tyler Elston now, Sean, because uh, That's the commitment that comes on Tuesday uh, The offer came on on Saturday after camp. And uh, man, Brian Doan wrote about it. You wrote about it. I'm not sure during my time covering Penn State, which is clearly much shorter than your time covering Penn State, not sure I've heard a recruit express so much sincere gratitude about the offer.
1: Well, he's a small town kid. He's from Frackville. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where it really means something to him to be a Penn State football player. And, I, and I've, I've come on here several times. And I think one of the things I say is you don't want uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of a cliche to say, I want the kids that want to be at Penn State. And I, and I tell you that's wrong because you want you know, the the job of the coaches is to get the kids that don't want to be at Penn State and just get the best kids. This is a kid that really wants to be at Penn State. He was here the last two weekends. Um, so I'm kind of s- stamping all over my point here, but he's been here the last two weekends. He worked out for them. He came back the second time, which you don't see ton, a ton. And I was talking to Chris Anderson from our West Virginia site, because I believed uh, that he was going to go to West Virginia had he not picked up this Penn State offer you don't come to, to camp back-to-back weekends get the offer and then turn around and commit somewhere else so this one was another writing on the wall type thing different kind of linebacker um, it <laughs> other than stating the obvious as we've done on our site uh, different kind of linebacker he's a box guy all the way kind of like an Ellis Brooks guy he's going to be a Mike in the long term um, he can play uh can play the will as well in this defense but Good short area quickness, had a pretty good shuttle. Not the fastest guy in the world, probably upper 4.7s, low 4.8s uh, You know, in, in camp the last couple of weeks. So not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a guy that Brian Doan and I have been talking about for a long time. Because when we started uh, looking at prospects in Pennsylvania, uh, probably back in January or February, we flipped this kid's tape on. He can find the ball, go get the ball, wrap up the ball, and, and take the guy down. I mean, it's 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 sort of a lost art for some of these guys. And Penn State has done a fantastic job adding length, adding athleticism, adding guys that can be all over the field at linebacker. But there's still, I think there's still a spot for for a guy that's a traditional Mike like Elsdon. So it's a different style than you got with Derek Wingo, but. I and, and this is probably going to come off as as sounding like sour grapes, but Tyler Elston's a better linebacker than Derek Wingo. You look at Derek Wingo's tape, better athlete, uh, quick twitch, all over the field, can do a lot of things. Derek Wingo kind of reminds me of a shock Tony. He's a guy that comes off the edge. He's a guy that gets to the quarterback and does some nice things. But you put him in space and you don't know what, what you're going to get. That's one reason his recruitment was kind of held up back in uh, the late fall and into the Christmas season. Schools didn't really know what he was, so— you look at Derek Wingo as an athlete. You look at Tyler Elsden as a linebacker. Yeah, you don't have the athleticism. You don't really fit. But Tyler Elsden a disciplined linebacker. He's a guy that can make uh, make plays close to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, there's always a spot for a guy like that.
0: And Ellsden, extremely productive last year as a junior. 115 tackles, seven sacks. 23 of those tackles coming behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, clearly a guy who, who was reading, reacting at a high level last year. And, um, you know, certainly I don't think you can, you know, Compare those two, Derek Wingo and, and Elson, in terms of uh, guys who are going to fill the same role for you. It's not necessarily a swift for swap, but it will be interesting you know, to to look at this thing long term because I think it's very clear that the Florida Gators are going to view uh, Derek Wingo and their fans are going to view him as, as a key member of their recruiting class coming in. And I think a lot of Penn State fans, when they look through this commitment list between now and December and February, Uh, they're going to be a little bit more quick to to skim past the name Tyler Elsden, just because he's not going to have the four or five star ranking unless he gets that bump. Um, And, you know, he's not going to have a a year's worth of everyone saying, we got to get him in the class. You know, it was about 36 hours where people could read the, the articles and figure out who this kid was. And then he commits. So, Huge for his community, uh, obviously a very big for him, and you know, kind of a bummer for a few schools out there like Virginia, West Virginia, uh, Maryland, schools that, that were involved here, and then Penn State comes in and, and takes over the recruitment very quickly.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, he worked with Brent Pry two weeks in a row. Pry liked what he saw and made the offer. So going back to what we said with with guys like Mulba and and Jair Brown, they saw him in person, they worked him out, and this is a you know this is a, a chance where you have an opportunity to take more numbers and 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 throw numbers at some positions. Still recruiting guys like Cody Simon, still recruiting some other linebackers, but uh, Jacobs and Elsden, you know, you kind of get a little bit uh, different skill sets there, but still a pretty pretty good linebacker class. So uh, moving on from there, back at the back to the camp. Uh, a couple of other guys, new offers. Ken Talley, who's a defensive end, probably an edge rusher type mold. Maybe not a true defensive end. He's got some growing to do from Northeast uh, Philadelphia. He's actually Dion Barnes, one of Dion Barnes' pupils. Dion doing some great things in Philly, as we've mentioned, uh, with guys like him and uh, Elijah Judy, the guy out, of, uh, another guy out of Northeast Philly. So uh, doing some good things down there is Dion, and he's got some good prospects to work with. Tally picked up an offer from Maryland, I believe, late last week, just before coming to Penn State's camp. Uh, uh, beyond that, a couple of standouts, Aaron Armitage back in town from Blair Academy, another one of those in the in the long line of uh, defensive linemen. You got Jason Owe, David Ajabu coming out of Blair Academy. Penn State got uh, Armitage back on campus to work with him. That's a big deal. Caden Prather, a guy that I've been you know really watching closely, Penn State was one of the first schools to move on him, even if he didn't have the the, the tape to go with it. They worked him out of camp last year. They offered him in the year prior, so uh, getting him back on campus, I thought he was really good. He lined up all over the field, and ran some really good routes. Lewis Hansen, the the tight end from uh, from from New England, was back in on campus, and so I think that uh, that really went uh, the whiteout camp really went well. And they offered a quarterback who's got a French Canadian last name. So Tyler, that's it's back to you,
0: Christian Veau. Uh, 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 we're just gonna go with that for now. Uh, we're, there's a two. There's two L's, and, and and we're pronouncing it that way for now. Uh, officially on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I gotta get him on the, the funny thing is Sean, I've been, I'm sure you have too. I've been hearing about this kid. It feels like for two or three years now, um, as someone who's on the rise out of Ontario and, um, and, and now he's on his way to his second American high school. He was up in Canisius in Buffalo last year. Uh, this year going to be at the Bullis school down at Potomac, Maryland. That, that of course is where Dwayne Haskins emerged before he went to Ohio state and, and, and was a big time quarterback down there. So, you know, there's some track record there and he's, he's got the offers. He's been busy, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, uh, West Virginia, Purdue among the other camps he's gone to just this month alone, Penn state sees enough to make the offer. And and that 2021 quarterback target board continues to, to really develop. It's a second offer out of a camp in 13 days. Remember Jake Rubley out of Colorado a couple weeks ago, getting an offer following a Sunday session on campus. Uh, we saw Garrett Nussmeyer on campus last Sunday and, and he was offered back in May and and of course, the day before that, during the 7-on-7 tournament, we spoke highly of him uh, for, for minutes and minutes last episode, Caleb Williams, who, who we certainly view as Penn State's priority at the position. But another name to know here, uh, and the fact that he will be going to school in Maryland, you'd like to think that would help your chances, maybe getting him up for, for a game visit. I don't know what their schedule looks like down there at Bullis. They could be one of those Saturday afternoon game teams. I'm not really sure, uh, but but he's a bit closer now than, than
1: being you know far up in, in upstate New York. Cam Brown uh, of course went to Bullis as well. So I mean it's it, it's one of those things where you don't want to put all your eggs in the Caleb Williams basket. I know that's where they're looking. that's where they you know that's where the priority I think should be. but still you've, you've got a lot of 2021 offers out there. You've got guys that can throw it. and, it, and you know it's kind of going back to the situation that, that that Penn State was in a couple of years ago where they took a commitment from Sean Clifford with Hunter Johnson still on the board and everybody's asking why that, you know, you know, this is crazy, why would they do that? Don't know that it's going to play out that way naturally, but uh, it's it, it's a situation that's happened before. You don't want to throw your all your eggs in one basket and go from there. So, um, 2021 quarterback, still a bunch of dominoes to fall. We mentioned Brock Vandergrift went to Oklahoma. I think Georgia still you know looks pretty good for Caleb Williams right now. It's a good opportunity for him to step into you know even though they that Carson Beck is going there uh, as a 2020 kid. But still, I mean, you, you. I think there's a long time before he decides. And, you know, he's not going to Ohio State. He's not going to Michigan. You know, Georgia's still on the table. Alabama's still on the table. He went to LSU last week. So it's a heavy hitter. So, you know, that's it's going to be a roller coaster all in itself for Caleb Williams.
0: And, Sean, if recent history has shown us anything about how things work in college football, the big names of the 2021 quarterback class are going to be the big names of the 2023 transfer market. So... Get ready to, to, you know, for a lot of musical Ooh. chairs with this group in the years ahead because that's just the way that works. And, and you know, I think also going back to this, uh, it brought up uh, just a random fact here: uh, James Franklin's first recruiting class featured a Canadian quarterback, Michael O'Connor. Of course, the other guy in that class, Trace McSorley, ended up being a little bit better at, at the position for Penn State. But there's a track record um, in terms well, Trace, of rec- Trace
1: was not selected in the
0: CFL draft. How about that? Well, count that one against Trace then. But there's a little bit of track record, certainly. uh, Ontario, specifically the Ottawa area, uh, for Penn State in recent recruiting cycles. And we're talking about guys like Jonathan Sutherland, Jesse Lucetta, Daniel Joseph. All of them took a similar route, realizing that if they wanted to achieve their dreams of playing big-time college football, probably required a transfer to the States. uh, And here, Christian Veiu does the same. And and if we get clarification, I'm maybe pronouncing him as a completely different quarterback. On the uh, next episode that w- that we discuss, Christian Aaron, but-
1: Aaron Armitage is a Canadian kid too. He was yes. down uh, last week. I talked to him yesterday. Uh, shockingly, tremendously polite, um, but very um, nice. <laughs> he was also very good at the camp. Very good at the camp as well. So, um, the, moving on from the camp, you've got the rest of the week. I think uh, Penn State's still not done riding this wave and. And this wave has been crazy just on a national level you can't flip your phone on and go through twitter without seeing somebody commit somewhere michigan's on a roll pitt's on a roll they're picking up some quality guys out there i know you guys want us to to crap on that but pitt's doing, doing a good job out there michigan's doing a good job ohio state's bringing some guys in so it's happening everywhere this you know this mini roller coaster that penn state's on it's is it, not they're not alone in this and you've still got guys out there i put in a crystal ball last night for for bryce mostella the defensive end from from michigan Brandon Taylor is going to announce later this week. Enzo Jennings, who you know, I think the the crystal ball points to Penn State as well, is going to announce on Thursday. So still a lot out there for Penn State. Uh, you know, they're they're safe on numbers; they don't have to worry about filling up at at certain spots. But you've got an opportunity to to continue riding this into the dead period. Guys aren't going to visit anywhere uh, until late July, so it's a good time to to sort of cash in.
0: Yep and and you know the dust as the dust settles a little bit not quite because as you said there's a lot more to come the class now has 13 committed players uh, ranks 19th nationally in the 247 composite um, and obviously, a ways to go here as they construct the class. But as and we've that's said. A, that's
1: a 2.11 on Tuesday. So by 2.15, uh, <laughs> that might change. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so it, it has been a lot of ebbs and flows. And it's funny how quickly some of the guys that you consider newer to this class, like a Nick Dawkins, now they're entrenched as leaders in this class. A Cole Brevard is now a guy who's going to be vocal for you. Um, it's just it's been really interesting to see the class progress evolve we'll see what the what the finished product is but uh, that also means that your leadership and and this dynamics and, and relationships within that class uh, continue to, to evolve and, and as we mentioned on the last episode uh, four different Penn state commits were on campus well I guess a lot more than that but four guys who came to campus committed uh Micah Bowen's a quarterback out of Las Vegas Cole Brevard defensive tackle from Indianapolis Nick Dawkins the in-state lineman and of course Curtis Jacobs who we as we mentioned was sensational out there so uh peer recruiting was in play uh that's going to be important I think moving forward and you got to get these guys quickly the guys like Koziah Izzard um, who, who have some sway in some of these regions that you want to keep hitting hard on the 2020 trail it's time for them to start putting in work and really go from you know the hunted to the hunter
1: and you got to get back to football. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Penn state, obviously not clicking on all cylinders. I mean, they're, they're doing a really good job uh, reeling in some of these guys right now. I think did a very, uh, had a productive official visit weekend, actually a pretty productive official visit month. Uh, not going to get them all, but, uh, I think they did a good job with what's going on. Um, really not, not a, a ton of momentum. As we mentioned, this is more national trend than, than singular, uh, object here at Penn state. So, uh, the, there's a little bit of struggle still there. They just need to get to football and get back to things. And Lash Bash, I would say, is, is certainly the, the
0: next big recruiting event to circle on your calendar out there. That'll be coming uh, later on in the summer and always draws a really good crowd of, of commits and also targets and, and guys that are a bit younger and uh, fa- family atmosphere. So that's kind of the next thing you're looking towards. But, Sean, really quickly, so I, I thought you did a nice, eloquent job of this on Twitter can you describe uh, the dead period? Just, just summise it for people if they happen to see that a coach was, you know, in
1: communication b- before they call the NCAA and tattletale. Well, that's a first that I've been complimented for my eloquence. Uh, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you know that's not the truth. Um, but no, it's the dead period is simply just you can't see these guys off campus or excuse me on campus. You can't see them face to face, talk to them. You can still send letters, send texts, call them, do all that kind of thing. Uh, just You're not going to have face-to-face. So when when my tweet, which is kind of a smart-ass tweet, of course, um, was shot off, I see this every year, is, hey, uh, why, why is Ohio State talking to this kid when it's the dead period? That's not what the dead period means. And I know it's kind of confusing, and that's, that's really the NCAA's thing. Um, but yeah, you can still talk to these kids. You can still be in contact. They're going to be at the opening. They're, they're at the Rivals Challenge right now. So schools are going to be calling these kids while they're there. Um, it's, it's all within the rules. It's just these guys can't get to campus until July 25th. And that's why Penn State and other schools have set up their barbecues and their, their offseason pool parties and things like that for that weekend of July, I think 29th or, or whatever it is. Um, so it's uh, it, it's kind of misleading from the NCAA standpoint, if you can believe that. Oh, what um, but the, de- the, de- the dead period does not mean you can't you're just shutting everything down. And I, I got a question about that on Twitter. Why do they do this? It's sort of like leveling the playing field you've got to give these coaches some time off. I mean, just for, in terms of, I mean, you're following this stuff as a fan. In terms of mental health, following this stuff is is, is insane. But the coaches do really work a lot. And I know they get paid a lot to do what they do, but they work round the clock for a long time. So this is kind of their built-in vacation. And, you know, it is one of those things where, you know, Michigan was running 30 or 40 camps uh, throughout June and July. Uh, well, that's, you know, that's kind of, it's an unbalanced playing field but you're saying they're putting in the work but then again you know, this coach wants to take off or this coach wants to do something else. So you're leveling the playing field. You cut it down to 10 days where you can run camps in June and July. You cut out the, or excuse me, you've added the official visits. So that's adding summer stress. So it's just leveling the playing field there. And then it's giving the kids about a month off. And and I don't know if it's the best time to do that because summer is when you can get out and officially, or excuse me, and unofficially get to some of these places. We're we're seeing a lot less uh, tour buses throughout July and things like that, um, where you hit several schools at one time. But, you know, it's, it gives everybody kind of a summer break, which, you know, I think is a good thing. And, and, and that's I think that's basically where it comes. I don't think there's any perfect way to approach this, but you do it to sort of level the playing field. You get the coaches some time off. You give the kids a chance to uh, to, to get out and enjoy their summer, work with their team, which I think we forget about sometimes. And I think it, it, it sort of works for everybody. I think you're going to see an, an extension of the dead period. I don't think the summer dead period is going to go over a month. But after signing day, um, you know, after that uh, that race to February, I think you can see a little bit of dead period. What might uh, impact some junior days moving forward? It might uh, change your recruiting calendar for for getting guys on campus. But um, that's still all up in the air. And I think a lot of coaches are in favor of that because really, and and we laugh about it. They they do need some time off. I mean, there's a lot of stress out there. There's a lot of mental uh anguish that goes on with being a a college coach and yeah they get paid a lot but yeah at the end of the day they're people too so i think that that's really what it comes down to
0: yeah and by the way uh, about a week after the lash bash Guess what? We got football on the on the practice field, and this 2019 Penn State squad is going to be getting ready uh, for their season. So things are going to move fast. Uh, Hopefully, some of these coaches get out and about uh, for a little vacay time, uh, and hopefully, these recruits enjoy a little bit of a pause in the action. Although anyone going to the opening next week, it's essentially a conference of peer recruiting, uh, so not really going to be able to hide from that down there. Uh, We'll preview that a little bit more later in the week. There's a few Penn State commits that are going to be in attendance for that showcase down at Dallas headquarters. Uh, Perhaps we'll even have have one of them on to discuss it. Uh, Sean, any final thoughts as we kind of, uh, you know, cl- clear the slate a little bit and coming up for air after five commitments and one decommitment in a period of, uh, what, four or five days?
1: No, I mean, Penn State's got to get back to doing what they, they do best, and that's, uh, you know, just uh, just staying above water. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's really come to that in this cycle. It's not, it's not how they drew it up. It's not how they... Uh, Really set out to do it, but you're filling in good spots at, uh, you know, on the defensive line. Got a couple of guys this week. You, you see some progress at receiver. I think you're going to still continue to see some movement at receiver. You figure out some things at running back. A guy like Kaziah Holmes, if you can get him to pop and, and go from there, so suddenly your class is looking a little better. I know it dipped down into the 20s, but I think it's going to come back up. And you know, Penn State's going to come out of this frantic period with, uh, you know, a pretty good group of guys. Not how they drew it up, but still a pretty good group. It's been six months
0: since most members of this 2019 Penn State freshman class signed their letters of intent, and in six months from now, the 2020 commits, uh, we assume many of them, if not all of them, will be signing. A lot to learn before then. We learned a little bit here in the last few days. We'll continue to to provide analysis on Lions 24-7. For now, we'll step away. We'll be back with you for another
1: episode this week. Enjoy your time. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast.